Dean Atta is a British poet of Greek Cypriot and Caribbean descent and he's been listed by the independent newspaper as one of the top 100 most influential LGBT people in the UK. His poetry, which often deals with questions of identity and social justice, has been featured on Radio 4 and he has been commissioned to write for museums and galleries including the Keats House Museum, the National Portrait Gallery, Tate Britain and Tate Modern. In 2018, Atta served as a judge for the BBC Young Writers Award. Dean recently met with Nicky Gamble to talk about his work and his latest title, Black Flamingo. He can also be heard in our LGBTQ magazine podcast, which can be found on our website. So I am really thrilled uh, to welcome you, Dean, to In the Reading Corner this afternoon, having heard so much about you and thoroughly enjoyed reading both your poetry collection, I'm Nobody's Nigger, and the forthcoming uh, Black Flamingo. Um, I wondered whether we could start, first of all, by talking a little bit about your journey to writing and where that started for you. Good teachers, poetry competitions at school, um, opportunities to kind of get up and recite poetry, either poetry I'd written or other people's poems that I'd memorised. We had a thing at school where we did that and it was it made poetry come alive for me, speaking it out loud. And I've always enjoyed performing. I've always enjoyed stories and storytelling and the written word. Uh, my mum gave me her old typewriter when I was a little boy and I used to make my own newspaper and I did the illustrations and all of that by hand. And it was really fun to kind of like, kind of tap away at a typewriter, you know, and people knock on my door, ask me to come play football down the street and I'd be like, no, I'm making my newspaper. Um, and I used to do a lot of performing as a child. So I was in musical theatre. I did um, West End shows. I did Oliver on the West End and did I did you? Bugsy Malone on the West End as well. And those kind of experiences, going to stage school on Saturdays, kind of combined with having a great school experience. So the kind of Saturday school for performance and then school being really fun. I think those two things made writing and performing things that I really liked. And so when I got to secondary school, I think writing took on a different meaning for me. It became more journal-like, diary-like, but still in the form of poetry, but very secret stuff. Mm. Stuff that... I wasn't going to jump on stage and perform right away and stuff that was very kind of personal to kind of the things that were going on in my life growing up and thinking about what it meant to be mixed race for me, mm. you know, not having my dad around to give me that black perspective directly, you know, having to figure that out through maybe my uncle and, you know, black friends that I had and other kind of male role models and people in my life. But I think that the dad thing was a sticking point for me and I kept coming back to that in the poetry. Mm -hmm. And then coming into my kind of awareness of my sexuality and, you know, having crushes on both girls and boys and writing all these love poems where the gender was pretty much interchangeable. Like um, one day I was in love with a boy, the next a girl. Mm -hmm. And so those kind of things are what I wrote poetry about, kind of family, identity and um, love. And all those things that you've talked about Mm. come through very clearly in your writing Mm. Um, and I think we'll explore some of them as we go through the interview uh, this afternoon. I know that you've been involved as a writer in various programmes and I was very interested to see that you were in the Goldsmith Teacher Writer Mm -hmm. programme. What did that involve? So the Writer Teacher MA at Goldsmiths was 
a opportunity for both people who are professional writers and people who are already qualified teachers to come together onto the same MA and look at how you can teach creative writing in schools. And that shared goal, but with different kind of starting points, was really useful because in the workshop room, we'd really kind of thrash out like blue sky thinking from us writers about how we want it to work in schools and the practicalities of how schools really work from the teachers themselves. And then at the kind of second year of the MA, it was about putting it into practice. And so writers were sent into schools to work and um, kind of come up with their own program of how to teach using poetry as a kind of means of self-expression. So it was about writing from personal experience and um, empowering young people to feel like their stories should be told and um, that their voice matters. When I was based in a school, I was based in Buxton School in Leytonstone for a year and, right. and I worked quite closely with the school counsellor because sometimes poetry, especially the personal kind, really brings out some of these issues that either are being dealt with already but they're writing about it for the first time. They may be speaking to the counsellor but writing about it is a different kind of thing and that was really powerful that they felt it was a safe space to share certain things. What an amazing programme, actually. Mm. Um, Amazing. Um, I wanted to explore a number of themes through the interview, and one of them is to do with drag. And one of the things that you've written, I think it was in, in The Black Flamingo, you talk about art, and that art is needed to explain feelings where words fail. And I wondered whether drag actually Mm. allows you to explore feelings where words fail i mean a lot of drag will have some words but often it's um someone else's words so there's a thing in drag called lip syncing basically miming along to a song or a speech but um, you're not actually saying those words live so sometimes you can subvert the meaning of the words themselves by doing actions that contradict what you're saying or by kind of giving facial expressions that kind of show you're mocking what's being said but I think before you even speak as a drag performer your costume says so much like I've kind of got a set costume for the black flamingo and for me it was about self-empowerment because I often use a pink costume on top of a black costume and there's a reveal where you know the black flamingo is coming into themselves and feeling empowered to be black i'm using that as a very obvious metaphor but it's not one that i've seen explored um by many people before so it felt like a mm. gift to me mm. when i when i saw a real black flamingo i was going to say did it come from that yeah. observation yeah of, of nature yeah the black seeing flamingo. a real black flamingo and being like that's me yeah and so drag um was something i was doing uh, for fun i signed up to a 10-week course to do a drag thing because I needed a hobby because poetry was something of a hobby and then it's become my job so I just thought I need something fun and so I started doing drag because I was just going to do it for fun and then it kind of seamlessly integrated into my writing and performance work Mm. and it was something I was nervous to do because I didn't know what it would mean and how I would feel when I did it I always shied away from dressing up as a kid and I always shied away from makeup as a young boy and teenage boy because I wasn't sure the only time I allowed myself to do it was when it was stage makeup or screen makeup when I was doing acting but other times I really didn't want to do it because I was worried I'd want to wear it all the time and I didn't want to take any abuse for that and so drag really took me out of my shell. I think we should talk a little bit about your writing and I think one of of the things that comes through very strongly that's quite characteristic 
is that you are writing very directly out of your own experience. Black Flamingo reads like autobiography, but I'm assuming you weren't born just before the millennium. No. That you probably changed that for the reader. Is it autobiographical? It's a story. I, I'd call it fiction because okay. I won't have experienced the things in the way that they're described from mm. Michael's point of view. Mm. So Michael has grown up more recently than me, if you know what I mean. So he's a younger person and he enjoys the time that we're in where more things are available and there are more kind of role models around. There is more tolerance and acceptance. Mm. Um, And so I feel like I wanted to write about the possibilities now and the idea of a, a young black queer person coming into their own, you know, right now today so no Michael Brown is is a fairy tale you know his story the black flamingo is about a really positive experience of kind of coming out and coming into your own and finding your flock as he stares in the book and I feel like that is what I really wanted to celebrate I wanted to write a story that was largely um, positive it has its Mm. ups and downs you know it has some moments of difficulty but that makes a good story, you know? Mm. And I wanted to make sure it had a happy ending because myself, you know, the things I've read and the films I've seen and the plays I've seen, so much tragedy when you tell queer stories. And I feel like those are important and relevant, especially things about the 80s, you know? But now I wanted to tell a story that was up to date with a bit more optimism Mm. and a bit more of the joy that I see around me in the um, queer community, in the black queer community. So I wanted to give a lot more hope. You talk as well about the importance of writing out of your own experience. Mm. And I think there is a quotation in the book about poets writing too frequently about experiences, I'm paraphrasing, Mm. um, without their experience. Mm. I just wanted to explore with you a little bit um, that, that idea and whether there are problems when people try to appropriate somebody else's experience. Yeah, I think in the book I've definitely, you know, written from an experience I'm close to, so a black gay character, and so I felt like I can write his voice authentically, even if he's younger than me. And so I felt like where there are other characters and other perspectives, that's reported speech. So, you know, Mm. what they say to him, and he processes it, and you know it's about his understanding of it we don't know their intentions we don't know if this person is racist we don't know if this person is homophobic we don't know if this person is in denial about their own sexuality we only know what Michael thinks of them and um, I felt like I felt comfortable exploring other races and and genders and um, sexualities through his perspective rather than writing from any of their perspectives so it's the book is in the first person it's from Michael's point of view And so he encounters other people with other points of views and um, other life's experiences, but we see it through his lens. And as a reader, you can look and decide whether you agree with how Michael sees these people or not, Mm. because you might have other experiences to inform what you think they mean, those other characters. So I think that was my way of doing it. I wanted to show other perspectives, and there are people that say things that Michael would never say and that I would never say. So there are words in this novel that you'd never find in my own poetry collections because I wouldn't say those things, but these characters have said them to Michael Mm -hmm. and then he processes them. So that's been my way to deal with other points of view. I don't think I can authentically 
get in the head of a, of a female character just yet as a writer. I don't feel like I'm I'm there, and I don't think I would attempt it, and I don't think I could get quite in the head of a white person because I don't think I could do it yet. That's twice you've used the words, I don't think I could do it yet. Yeah. So do you feel that, that it is within the writer's profession or their creative ability to write yeah, I think it would take a lot them. of skill. Yeah. A lot of skill, research and um, care. And you've got to think, why are you the right person to write this story? Mm. And I think probably as a black writer, and I live in a, in a dominantly white society, I'm more aware of the white experience than, a, than, than someone that lived outside of this society. Do you know mm. what I mean? If I grew up mm. in Jamaica you know, mm. where my, my dad's family's from, I probably wouldn't have as much of the kind of experience mm. and exposure. I feel it's very different to when a white writer wants to write black characters, unless they've fully immersed themselves and, you know, have been doing research, have been reading, writing by black writers as mm. well. I feel like it's going to read as inauthentic, but it's on a case-by-case basis. Mm. I don't think there's a rule. Mm. I just think who's the best person to tell that story? Like... For me, I'm writing this story because I don't think there's enough black queer stories mm. out there. You know, if there was another experience I thought wasn't being represented, maybe I'd be writing that experience. I like that kind of consideration yeah. of, of those issues. Yeah, like someone like Zadie Smith writes yeah. all sorts of... Predominantly there's black characters in her books, but I feel like you know she writes lots of Jewish characters and she, she writes characters of, of different ethnicities... Because I think these are things she's been close to and things she's... So she's written a lot about the UK, but then when she moved to America, you can see she's written more about America. Mm. And I think if she tried to write about America when she was not living there yet, it wouldn't have read as authentically. So, and I think a writer like David Nichols, who I love, you know, his writing has grown up as he has Mm. as well. You know, he's writing about older characters as he's... He's not old, but he's getting older, so maybe he's closer to seeing what it would be like to be in, you know, a a longer-term marriage. Whereas when he was writing Start of a Turn, he was writing about that teenage experience, and that was his, you know, first book. And I think I'm going to be the same. The things I experience are going to inform what I write about Mm. and the places I live and the people I have around me. You Mm. know, those will become the characters, you know, or inform Mm. the characters. So, like the Black Flamingo, lots of people have kind of come into my life to make those characters kind of feel authentic you know so a lot of them are amalgams of different people I know I want to talk about Black Flamingo and notions of queerness Mm -hmm. and notions of childhood Mm -hmm. and how those two things uh, for one reason or another are sometimes quite uh, difficult to think of alongside each other and yet what's really clear Mm. in your book is that Michael is very aware Mm. of his emerging Mm. identity Mm. and these emerging attractions from being a very young Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. do you think that black flamingo will change some people's perceptions of that i wanted to tell an authentic story that felt real and i feel like there are queer children and there are children aware of queerness around them whether it's their families or their friends you know and i feel like it to shy away from it would be disingenuous to like the experience of childhood. Childhood is a time when you're far more open-minded, you know, and it's it's not happening in the same way that teenagers and adults experience attraction and, and mm. kind of, like, interest in each other. And so I feel like, for example, Michael plays Kiss Chase with girls, but also 
plays mommy and daddy with, with a boy, you know, when he's at home. And so it's just about like the kind of playing games and it's all it is is playing. You know, they're playing and they're exploring and they are innocent, you know. And I think all things are innocent to the innocent is a is a phrase that I've really yes. kind of cherished because I just feel like it's adults' points of view on these games that kids play that kind of gives it a sense of like something mm. else is going on but mm. actually no it's not but I feel like every child is different and this is one story about one boy and his experience and his growing up and I think the awareness of things being not necessarily like society's expectations that all comes from you know the outside later on his mum very much cherishes him and like nurtures him to just be himself and be free but there are a few suggestions that maybe he shouldn't have a Barbie doll from other people and there are a few kind of hints that maybe beyond a certain age kissing boys is going to be problematic and it's just interesting that when he's a a child it's just I want to play with the doll and you know we're going to play this make-believe game husband and wife and I'm going to be the wife and like it's just playing the same way he plays Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like he's Mm -hmm. not a turtle kids play and they act and they play make believe mm. and i think adults can confuse that with other things yeah. that happen much later in our you know development and our yeah. thinking you know so i wonder a few more questions to ask you but i wonder whether we could have a poem okay so this is called how to come out as gay and it appears at the end of the black flamingo so it's kind of slightly outside of the story but kind of reflects on things going on in the book How to come out as gay. Don't. Don't come out unless you want to. Don't come out for anyone else's sake. Don't come out because you think society expects you to. Come out for yourself. Come out to yourself. Shout, sing it, softly stutter. Correct those who say they knew before you did. That's not how sexuality works. It's yours to define. Being effeminate doesn't make you gay. Being sensitive doesn't make you gay. Being gay makes you gay. Be a bit gay, be very gay. Be the glitter that shows up in unexpected places. Be typing on WhatsApp, but leave them waiting. Throw a party for yourself, but don't invite anyone else. Invite everyone to your party, but show up late or not at all. If you're unhappy in the closet, but afraid of what's outside, leave the door ajar and call out. If you're happy in the closet for the time being, play dress up until you find the right outfit. Don't worry. It's okay to say you're gay and later exchange it for something else that suits you, fits, feels better. Watch movies that make it seem a little less scary. Beautiful thing, moonlight. Be South East London council estate, a daytime dance floor, his head resting on your shoulder. Be South Beach Miami, night of water and fire, your head resting on his shoulder. Be the fabric of his shirt, the muscles in his shoulder, your shoulder. Be the bricks, be the sand, be the river, be the ocean. Remember, your life is not a movie. And do it with a poem. Accept you'll be coming out for your whole life. Accept advice from people and sources you trust. If your mother warns you about HIV within minutes of you coming out, try to understand that she loves you and is afraid. If you come out at 15, this is not a badge of honour. It doesn't matter what age you come out. Be a beautiful thing. Be the moonlight too. Remember, you have the right to be proud. Remember, you have the right to be you. Absolutely fabulous. 
it's about a very specific experience, but uh, when I read that the first time, it's also about everybody's experience, Wonderful. whether you're gay or not. Hmm. You know, it's about being you okay. and being proud to be you, isn't it, at one level? I think so, and I'm, and I'm glad it does come off that way. You know, it is, it is interesting. When you write a very specific experience, actually that becomes more relatable than if you try and write something very general. So having something within a piece of writing that that kind of feels grounded in a time and place and real experience. And um, I think that is something I always try and do with my writing. And the mother's mentioned in there as well. Mm. I'm very sympathetic towards that, but I'm reading it as a mother. Yeah, (laughs) I think as a writer, I'm sympathetic to the mother, but I think the character of Michael is unaware of how much effort his mum is going to for him and how much love she has and how much she wants all the best things for him but he sometimes feels overwhelmed and and um encroached upon by her her version of love and I think it's just you know as a teenager you 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 don't quite realize what's being done for you you just take a lot for granted and I think that's fine because we grow up and we Mm. and we learn I think one of the other things that came through very strongly um in reading both your poetry and the novel is that there always seems to be an audience very directly present mm. in your writing. I don't think that's necessarily true of all writing. Mm. Sometimes it's a very specific mm. audience and sometimes it feels more like a universal one. Mm. Um, do you have audience in mind when you're writing? And do you imagine yourself reading to an audience as you're writing? Yeah, because I write, the novel is in verse, so mm. it is poetry as well. And so... I think that the the voice is really important in that it has to be able to be read out loud. So I'd challenge readers to do that when they get the book, like read it out loud and um, see, you know, how it sounds being said aloud, because I think that's the way to enjoy poetry. So I write for the voice and I also, you know, write from my voice as the, the author and um, but also with the characters in mind, I kind of try and hear their voices slightly differently, the different characters that you hear in the book. But yeah, in terms of the audience for it as a whole, I think I did start with thinking of young black queer kids, but also I've realised that it can be read and enjoyed by all, you know, because hopefully you're going to hold a mirror to some, but also, you know, um, shine a light for others, you know, give them a sense of what this experience is like and find similarities to their own experiences if it's not... Um, so similar to their own experience so I wanted to yeah write for kids that would you know relate to it closely and kids that would like learn from it and maybe it would help them understand some of their peers better as well. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question about classrooms and I hope that I really hope that the novel finds its way not only into the hands of individual young people but I hope it finds its way into the hands of teachers mm. and other and librarians mm. and gatekeepers. What advice do you give to teachers who want to address things like this in the classroom but perhaps don't know what to do in the face of challenges? I mean, you integrate it into your everyday teaching. Mm. It doesn't become this specific project that can be stopped, That's you know, because it should be part of your practice mm. anyway to have diverse books um, within your library and be looking at diverse ways of presenting whatever subject it is. Just using people that feel real because I think these things are, you know, easy to ignore if you don't have the diversity in the school. But I think 
the children are going to go out into the wider world and you want to prepare them mm. to meet all types of people mm. and realize that we're all equal and so the sooner you can let young people see what the world's about the better and there's some wonderful books like space girl pukes and one dad two dad brown dad blue dad mm. and i've enjoyed going into primary schools and reading those books mm. because they are really fun books i've got a provocative question oh. for you now <laughs> you wrote in the mainstream it's people of color and the queer people are, that are exceptional the marginalized have to set the bar higher and you're probably very aware of the reflecting realities research that's been done here recently so here's my question would you prefer to see a higher bar set for everybody or greater accessibility for all in terms of writing i mean greater accessibility for all i think self-publishing has been very interesting for democratizing things because i've seen people self-publish and then be picked up by major publishers because of their own sales and the platform they built up for themselves on social media and so I feel like that is, an, is becoming a huge option and opportunity for a lot of writers that the big publishers are missing. But I feel like it shouldn't take that for the publishers to see your, your mm-hmm. talent. So I think we need more you know, open platforms for, for writers to be sending their work in mm-hmm. to whether it's to agents or to the publishers themselves. Because I feel like um, it does seem still that there are these ivory towers and people are terrified and don't really know how to make the approach. And there are diverse books out there now and, you know, get them into schools and get them um, being read. But I think it's proving that there's an appetite for those books as well. So I feel like it's about, you know, seeking out the people that can write those stories if they're not already thinking they can write YA. You know, because I was almost invited to write a YA book, you know, because of my poetry and right. you know um my editor was really keen for what I what we presented you know that wasn't gonna be why at first I was already writing that type of book and that kind of um focus on the black queer youth mm. but I think at the time I was writing it as an adult and the character was too self-aware mm. and mm. so it was about thinking about how do I make this much more of a teenage mm. character? Mm. Um, and that was a great challenge. Mm. But I'd say, yeah, if there are writers that can be invited in, because I feel like that's what happened to me in this instance, was that I was invited to write this book in this way. And um, and I think that was showed kind of, uh, you know, initiative on, on, on the publisher's part. Um, and so I think if more publishers could be taking initiative like mine has been, you know, I think that's what we need to see that, you know, it's it's looking for authors, not waiting. Dean, it's been such a, a privilege and a delight. Thank you so much for spending time talking to me today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to In the Reading Corner with Just Imagine. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more on the podcast section of our website, justimagine.co.uk plus via iTunes or your usual podcast provider. Don't forget to pass the pod and recommend this fantastic free resource to your friends and colleagues. Just Imagine also has a free fortnightly newsletter packed full of the latest news, CPD training, reviews and giveaways. To sign up, visit justimagine.co.uk forward slash newsletter.